Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining us. What is the uh, state of affairs uh, vis-a-vis Israel and Gaza as we speak? So I think that both sides are feeling out the other. Uh, The the, uh, folks in Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, I think, are trying to figure out what their options are, and they're pretty darn limited. Uh, apparently, there's credible reports saying that some in Hamas are saying, hey, maybe it, shouldn't, we w- it wasn't the best idea to grab these hostages, uh, and they want them released. Others are saying they're, they're in it to, to basically go down with a, in a blaze of glory, which I think is the latter is going to prevail. As we speak, 300,000 reservists have been mobilized, Uh, You and I both know, Judge, from our background, it takes time to prepare a military force for action. And even the best trained reservists are going to take some level of time to basically muster. They have to come together. Uh, They have to do some remedial training to get their mind right, so to speak. But I do believe as we speak, and this has been alluded to by several credible sources, the, the ground offensive by the Israeli army is very close. I, my forecast at the time we're, we're talking about this, we're, we're, uh, it's 11, just after 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, U.S. time. I think by uh, late Thursday, early Friday, our time, you're going to see the beginning of their uh, offensive. The, the ground offensive by the Israelis into to Gaza. The only thing that's holding it back right now, in my judgment, is what to do about the hostages. And that includes Italian hostages, U.S. hostages, and obviously Israeli hostages, which are being held right now in the Gaza Strip. So, um, Can they conduct the ground operation without the reserves, or do they need the reserves oh, ready no. to go? Any standing military judge is going to have, essentially, because they're expensive to maintain, uh, what they basically believe they ha- they have to have for purposes of deterrence and uh, immediate response. Anything so Gaza itself is about the size of uh, the physical footprint is about the size of Manhattan plus the Bronx. It's about 110 uh, square miles of, of terrain and and densely populated. Uh, Two million people in that space. And so what's going to happen is you have to have 
three things at play. First off, effective offensive operational capability. That is to say, you're going to have to go in and take territory. Secondly, as you go through, you have to hold it. That, that requires another group of folks to do. And third, you're going to have to process those uh, two million people as you take back terrain because there's a siege. They've shut off water. They shut off power. They're going into conditions that are going to be horrific. I mean, the people, the, the, the poor, the, the people who are innocent, let me state this very clearly because I have no sympathy for Hamas. The people who are innocent within that space are going to suffer tragically because of the actions of Hamas. I'm not justifying Hamas's action. I'm saying it's just a statement of, of observable fact. So the Israeli well, the Israelis, army, the Israelis believe in collective punishment. They do. And, and they, I'm just saying and they, they, and they know and they know that many thousands, maybe even a million civilians who have nothing to do with this will suffer because no of their doubt. invasion. No, and, I, and I'm not not disputing that. I'm not showing sympathy. I'm just saying that the, the third category of people in the army are going to have to be those who basically process those civilians and the detainees and the terrorists because they're going right. to capture a lot of folks and they got to okay. rescue folks. So that's what's going on. How did this happen uh, without Mossad, MI6, CIA, any of the vaunted world intelligence agencies knowing about it or reporting on it to appropriate uh, superiors ahead of time? So uh, I got to be careful because I don't know all the facts. My team is kind of looking at this. We've had discussions. The intelligence failure, Judge, I think happened because of three things. First, I think uh, there's rumor, I haven't got it confirmed yet, that the Egyptians, Egyptian intelligence gave them warning and it was ignored. So I don't know that for a fact. I'm speculating. Did that you say it was ignored? It, that apparently it was ignored. Basically, the, the Egyptians were saying, hey, something's about to happen. So again, I, that's completely, that's, that's rumor. Take it as rumor. Okay. I don't know. I have not verified that. Secondly, one of the things that they, the Israelis, were looking at is something we call indications and warnings. Indications and warning are something we do uh, very well. We'd like to believe so. We look at indicators, intelligence indicators that something's about to happen. We do this in South, in South Korea regarding North Korea. We look at this regarding uh, the Chinese. We have big boards that track uh, individual events. We believe after a certain propensity of evidence that there may be something about to happen. Uh, the Israelis did a very similar thing regarding tracking the activities of Hamas and other terrorist organizations, looking for the pre pre predominance of evidence, warnings that something's about to happen. What I believe happened, Judge, is that the, that Hamas and the Iranians, because I think there was nation state support, if not sponsorship, figured out what those individual elements, uh, the, what we call observables were. They figured out what they were and they started controlling the intelligence mechanisms feeding information into it. Uh, we did this during World War II. Uh, an operation called Operation Bodyguard was the deception campaign that resulted in Adolf Hitler and the Germans not, not knowing we were going to invade on the 6th of June at, uh, at Normandy. They were believing Pas de Calais was going to be looked, and that was what they were, we wanted to do. We mm -hmm. had the Ghost Army, the first, uh, first uh, George, uh, General Patton's First Army, which was but, 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 but Tony, forgive me for interrupting. None of this explains why uh, Mossad didn't know about it. Mossad has people on the ground well, that that's, has listening posts that have yes, boats. Well, that's, the I'm, ocean I'm getting to that. Own. I'm getting to that. Okay. This, one of the operations within Bodyguard was called Garbo. Garbo was literally 
it, the doubling of a German spy. And they was there was multiple networks of German spies. What they did, Judge, the British and Americans, we figured out all the different double all the different spies the Germans had, and we turned them. We gave them a choice: you work for us or you die. That's it. So that's what I'm saying is that that I think Hamas and the Iranians were able to figure out who those assets of of uh, of uh, the intelligence service were. Now, once those are compromised, that you basically control that mechanism. So I think Mossad's agent nets were compromised. That's why they didn't see them, because basically over time, the Palestinians, uh, Hamas, were able to figure out who those spies were. There's a number ah, of ways to do it. Got so it. they were doubled. So they were feeding, they, the Hamas and Iran, were feeding false information to Hamas. I mean, to to uh, to Mossad. What about what about what your uh, buddies used to call signals intelligence? What Same about sur surveillance and AI? Same thing. You can find ways to spoof, deny, uh, or degrade that very thing. We did it. I'm just telling. That's what my my job used to be, Judge. We used to be able to put together things which deceive the adversary of what we're actually doing. This is not new. This is the art of war. But I'm, what I'm saying is, yes. Uh, someone sat down on the Iranian and Hamas side and mapped everything out. This is how we we did Gulf uh, 91, Judge. We actually identified right. all the different mechanisms that Saddam Hussein was listening to or paying attention to, to include CNN. I could tell you stories about how we manipulated CNN and pre presided this this completely bogus front that 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 Saddam Hussein bought off on and was completely deceived. So I believe we're going to come to find a very similar campaign was orchestrated by Iran and Hamas, where basically they mapped and understood how the uh, the Israelis were taking in information and basically controlled all those mechanisms to deceive them of what their actual intent okay, was. Okay, now why are you saying Iran and Hamas? Because is there, there, is there speculation or is there evidence that Iran was involved? I, I, I have not seen any direct evidence. With that said, I don't believe for a minute that Hamas on, to its, on, under its own accord could move 5,000 missiles. Remember, the, these missiles they were firing the first day are not small. They're, they're not like something you can put in your pocket. The paragliders, the amount of logistical and other intelligence support, was enormous. And you, you just point out regarding the intelligence issues we're talking about, right. there had to be some level of sophisticated either coaching or guidance to understand all of those intelligence systems to the level of, nece of detail necessary to defeat them. I, just don't, I don't believe Hamas as a small terrorist organization could do all of these things on its own. Here's uh, President Biden yesterday saying, you know, what, what he I'm sure honestly believes, but politically needed to say. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery. recovery. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind. 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Are American Special Ops ordered to go on the ground to uh, extract American and Israeli hostages? So I, 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 um, I don't know specifics, but I know how it's normally done. So what would happen in this case, we have uh, within the region a number of operating bases that are Special Operations Command. We always have a presence there, Judge. And I suspect the presence in this case was probably in Egypt. I think those fo- folks are now staged either on the border of Egypt next to, uh, to, uh, to um, Israel or already in Israel. The U.S. will not act without specific and clear guidance from Israel. That is to say, the Israelis will be in the lead. Uh, the Israelis may ask or may not ask for U.S. support, but it's very clear that U.S. special operations forces are always prepared, despite whatever political knucklehead is in the White House. Uh, U.S. special forces are always leaning forward. We have operational plans to to deal with this under almost every scenario. So they're always there. They're always prepared to act as an option. So the option right now, I think, is do the United, do, does the United States figure out how to go in by itself or augment the Israelis? But I can tell you right now that both uh, Israeli special forces and U.S. special forces are trying to figure out where the hostages are. There's a clock ticking for any number of reasons regarding Hamas either deciding to kill them or the ground campaign kicking off. And that's what they're focused on right now. I, my my forecast, again, I'm not involved, don't have direct information. I think Hamas has probably stuck all these refu- these uh, hostages in about t- 12 locations, some underground. They, they want to have uh, uh, enough of them together to make to be able to kill them if necessary all at once, but not so dispersed. They, you know, not not one per building or something like that. It's, they, they, they've kind of got a combination of things going on and what the u.s special forces what the israelis are trying to track down is where these clusters are at they're going to try to get as many of these folks as quickly as they can once the word is given i think you're going to see things start overnight regarding special operations forces going in we're going to put up we're going to put up some uh, live screens uh of hamas uh and uh and israel so the lower right, this is live now, is Israel. Yeah. The top left, the top right, and the lower left uh, are Gaza. You'll see explosions there in Gaza periodically. Mm-hmm. It's uh, about 6.20 p.m. local time in uh, Israel uh, as we are speaking and showing these live, uh, these live um, cameras. Um, what about the U.S. Navy, Tony? What purpose does it serve uh, having a battle fleet uh, in the eastern Mediterranean? Are they going to shell Gaza? 
Or no. is this just a landing place for American troops? These this uh, air. No, I don't. I got to be honest. We're we're not going to see American troops deployed in into this region. We're not. I I can tell you that. Just, well, just, other than no... special forces, which is set up oh, there and ready. So there's right. a second. There's a second power. There's a second carrier battle group coming up to be in the region in the Red Sea. There's going to be two carrier battle groups. Judge, those are primarily there to deter outside entities from jumping in. That is to say that they're there to be prepared to do something against Hezbollah. If Hezbollah acts in areas which the United States feels our interests are involved or the, or the Iranians. Right now, there's been almost a strange pause regarding Hezbollah. There was a lot of folks who thought Hezbollah, being a, uh, a, a basic client of the Iranians, would jump in and do something in, in northern uh, part, the northern part of Israel. Let and, me just stop you for a second. The upper sure. right-hand camera, which we don't control, zooms in. Uh, when it sees smoke plumes. So it's showing a substantial smoke plume there uh, somewhere in Gaza. That's the upper right-hand camera, yeah. which on its own or whoever's controlling it over there just uh, zoomed in. I'm sorry, Tony. Can please yeah, no. continue where you so, are. What will so, the Navy do? So the carrier battle groups are therefore larger outside of Israel issues. I mean, will there be special operations support from those? Absolutely. Uh, there'll okay. be all sorts of support. But the primary use of large... Uh, uh, muscle movement of power like that is to deter other outside entities, again, such as Hezbollah and Iran, from acting to support anything regarding Hamas and their efforts. The um, uh, initial um, entry into Israel by uh, Hamas resulted in a lot of needless deaths of uh, innocents. Right. Uh, why weren't the Israelis armed? Why, why didn't they have handguns or rifles to uh, to defend themselves. I know they don't have a second amendment in Israel, but they certainly have a natural right to self-defense as all humans do. Yeah, the uh, the Israeli government has made it very, very difficult. You've got to be able to speak Hebrew. You must, I mean, there's a, like a laundry list of things you must go through to be able to be legally armed. Uh, it's insane. And so only 2% of the civilian population at any given time has weapons. And that showed mm -hmm. yesterday or the Sunday in this attack. And by the way, the kibbutzes, these small towns are very, they're organized around, I'm going to just going to say it, Soviet Union, communi communistic concepts of, of, of collectivism. And I'm not criticizing that. If they want to live in peace and have communes, God bless them. But uh, they are all unarmed. Uh, they're clearly vulnerable. And Hamas knew that. So Hamas... Went are, are, are there police? Is no. there anybody with weapons there? No, no there weren't. 25 communities were essentially uh, unarmed bastions of peaceniks. And that's fine. I'm not being critical of people who want to be left alone. But the problem is they were essentially sheep waiting to, to for, for the slaughter of Hamas to come get them. I think that was only one of those communities, Judge, which survived. And it was because one guy had a gun. One guy with a gun who was effective in actually helping organize and protect those from the terrorists survived. That's it. So I've argued in multiple interviews I've done in, in U.S. media, and I've mentioned this on Australian TV, too. To me, this is the ultimate uh, test uh, of, of why we need to have a Second Amendment, the, the, the God-given right of self-defense. Uh, the Israelis, uh, for the most part, made it very difficult for unarmed civilians, any civilian to be armed because you're supposed to have military status or be in some special status that's approved by them. And again, I, I suggest people go out and Google this. There's a laundry list of things that you must prove 
that you are worthy of having a weapon. While here in the United States, it is it is our right to be armed. And I think this is a determinant factor of how why Hamas was so successful so rapidly. And the concert, this 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 peaceful concert where over 200 people were, were slaughtered again. There is virtually no guards there available to protect them. And that mm. that is another reason that was a tragedy. The uh, the laws in Israel on um, personal carrying and ownership of handguns uh, were remarkably similar to those in New Jersey. Yes. Until the Supreme Court's uh, two opinions that the right to keep and bear arms is a personal right. Uh, and the right to carry arms must be uh, interpreted as it was understood at the time that the Second Amendment was adopted. But that's only a year and a half ago. Uh, two years ago in New Jersey, you had to go through all of these proofs. Even I, as a former judge, um, the only exception to this is former uh, police who didn't have to go through it, but everybody else would have to go through it. Now, uh, it's well, far more rational and consistent with the Supreme Court's well, ruling. Well, Judge, but my my franchise does not exist in your state. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't understand why my right. first member rights here in right. North Carolina, I can literally have a weapon available, open carry. Right, right. But the moment it's... I leave, I can't go into D.C., I can't go into New Jersey, I can't go into New York uh, without my me becoming a potential felon, which is insane. Okay, so right after 9-11... I don't want to get too deep into the Second Amendment because I want to segue into Ukraine in a minute. Right. But right after 9-11, Congress enacted uh, a statute that allowed uh, police officers, active duty and retired, to carry weapons in all 51 jurisdictions, the 50 states and the District of Columbia. There were efforts to amend it at the time uh, to allow civilians, which would have allowed you, with your uh, carry permit, uh, where you are, to carry everywhere. Uh, but uh, the administration of George W. Bush decided that was a bridge too far. So yeah. that's that's what we're stuck with. I want to segue into Ukraine. Yeah, um, because I have a couple of views on this one. I think that Israel goes to the head of the line now. I'm not, not just talking about the media. I'm talking about aid from the federal government. Right. Uh, and uh, two, I think this is very bad. Uh, for Ukraine, because the you know, um, the weapons or the, the ammunition that they need, a lot of it is, I think, going to be held up. But before we get there, here is President Putin, a very rational, calm President Putin, giving his analysis of U.S. government failures in the Middle East. Unfortunately, we can see a sharp deterioration of the situation in the Middle East. I think that many will agree with me that this is a clear example of the failure of the policy of the United States in the Middle East, which tried to monopolize the resolution of the conflict, but unfortunately wasn't concerned with finding compromises acceptable to both sides. On the contrary, it promoted its own ideas about how this should be done, put pressure on both sides, first on one side, then on the other, every time without taking into account the fundamental interests of the Palestinian people, bearing in mind, first of all, the need to implement the UN Security Council decision on creation of an independent, sovereign Palestinian state. Agree or disagree, Tony? No, unfortunately, he's correct. He's completely correct. Uh, yes. The, the He's correct about interests, and plus what he didn't say, which I will add to that, is the disputes, disputes that go back to before the Ottoman Empire fell. I mean, 
it's it's ironic that uh, someone who's our adversary, and he is our adversary at this point, is so steely-eyed and clear-minded about what's going on. And let me go through this a little bit to expand on this. So Jake Sullivan recently, I think it was, you ought to put it on your show. It's great. Jake Sullivan says, oh, everything is quiet in the Middle East because of our policies. You know, like, yeah, right. And yeah, he I think he said to, that last week. Yeah. And he said he said that uh, they were going for a, quote, unquote, integrated Middle East. Well, that proves what Putin says to be true. The integration that they seek, that is the Biden administration, means basically you you promote and, and project what you want. That your form of integrated and integrate their integration simply added fuel to the fire of all these disputes and and uh, 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 disagreements that go back generations like he just they wanted to slack over it and say everything is fine. And that's just it's just not true. And by the way, this is not only um, the Biden folks. Uh, J uh, Jared Kushner did this as part of the initial issues of the Arab, uh, the uh, Abraham Accords. He, uh, Kushner, was trying to get convince the the Egyptians to give up land. It's like, no, it's not going to work. I mean, I spent Let, a day with the Egyptians being let's yelled get at. Back, let's get back to Ukraine. You, yeah. you have re recently uh, written uh, that Russia is about to go on the offensive. What, yeah. what do you mean by that? Well, look, I think there's, there's three issues that they're obvious. Ukraine is lost. The if I I'm, I hate to be this blunt because I'm going to get in trouble, but the offensive didn't work. It wasn't going to work because. And let me just point this obvious fact out: the same knuckleheads who've messed up the Middle East, Jake Sullivan Company, were the ones running the war in Ukraine. So, gee, the end results are kind of inevitable if you ask me. But the offensive hasn't worked. It's not going to work. It's it's going to curtail within the next few days, if not uh, be already over. So that's the first thing. Secondly. Because of the massive expenditure of all the resources we gave the Ukrainians in a fruitless way, the Russians just sat back and let that energy hit them and, and, and fall off. Now, the initiative is going to return to the Russians because they also activated great numbers of military personnel. They're now uh, upwards of near a million troops on the battlefield ready to act. It's simply a numbers game, Judge. I'm right. not here. I'm not advocating for the Russians. I'm saying it's inevitability. And second, third, my third point then, if you got all these troops, the Ukrainians have lost, inevitably you're going to have the option of returning to the offensive. And I think that's where we're at. We're, we're at the point where you're going to see start seeing the Russians move slowly and meticulously forward to start securing more what I would call centers of gravity, population centers within the, the Ukrainian sphere that they want. And I think it's going to happen within the next two weeks. Tony Schaefer, thank you, my friend. No yep. matter what we talk about, you're helping us to understand it. And it is deeply and profoundly appreciated by uh, all of those watching and certainly by me. Well, I do my best. Thanks, Judge. Thank you, Tony. Always, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, more uh, as we get it. Scott uh, Ritter at 3.30 Eastern today. And then our old friend, Congressman Andy Biggs, the intellectual guru of the ragtag gang of Republicans that threw out Kevin McCarthy will be here at 4.30. And let me thank you uh, for the subscriptions. Uh, we're up to 207, 208,000. We will hit a quarter of a million by Christmas time. Scott Ritter at 3.30 uh, this afternoon. Colonel Schaefer, thank you so much. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.